0: Hello again everybody, this is uh, Jason Powers So today we're going to talk about alternative narratives um, I'm going uh, piggyback off of uh, James Corbett's uh, recent uh, I guess you could say analysis and or idea uh, It's been a long uh, few weeks I've uh, been trying to get myself uh, together And so we're... Uh, We're endeavoring to uh, create a uh, different narrative here. It seems like uh, my uh, background noise is uh, not showing up, but that's okay. Uh, The opening music. I'm talking over it right now just because, um, you know, uh, I've been having trouble with uh, Sprecher, uh, which is my recording platform. Uh, I test out my own volume, but evidently I... I'm having problems with, uh, sound effects and, and whatever else is going on here, but that's okay. Life is what it is, uh, we'll deal with it the way it is, so anyway, um, so the last month or so, I've been making changes, I picked up a different, uh, position and, uh, got sick, uh, with the flu, um, uh, but it isn't wasn't COVID related, or at least it didn't have the sim- symptomatic, uh, situation that that was, uh, kind of affected my, uh, ability to, you know, get through the days, but I had to continue to work. So, uh, all things considered that went okay because, uh, the people that I work with are, uh, we were, uh, working, uh, doing packages over the holidays. Nobody got particularly, I probably picked it up at work. Because I was around new people Which is what goes on in life Uh, But I didn't I didn't notice any further transmission Uh, Nobody that I was around Picked up the disease or whatever When you call disease People make a big deal Out of that nowadays But uh, we need to get over that fact Because it isn't really relevant Here and now Um, That's where we're going to dive into The new narrative So without further ado, we'll go from there. Um, I'm going to play a little segment from uh, the opening of his uh, uh, James Corbett's recent uh, uh, posting about Make Your Own Newspaper, but we'll let let him talk instead of me talk. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Solutions Watch. I'm your host, James
1: Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're tuned into the D program where week after week after week we look at ways that you can improve your life and help change the world for the better. And last week we were looking at one of the big picture, philosophical, abstract ideas that we look at here on the D-Program from time to time, namely the idea of writing a new narrative, flipping the script, changing the story, as it were, and we were examining that in the context of the World Economic Forum and its plans to unleash a new great narrative to lead people through their great reset into the great convergence. No thanks. But today, let's look at the flip side of the coin, from the abstract philosophical to the nuts and bolts of how you can actually do that. I did receive a lot of feedback on last week's edition of this series, and I'm glad that is the case. A lot of people out there have their ideas for narratives and stories that they want to get out to the public. The question is, how do you do that? Very good question. Very important question and one that obviously, like so many other questions, does not have one singular answer. It has many different answers, but today we're going to look at one particular answer to that question of how to start getting your narrative, getting your uh, new story out there to the public. We're going to look at a very specific answer to that question that you could, if you are so inclined, start implementing today for yourself or helping others to do so. What am I talking about? Well, in order to introduce this idea, let's go back to that article that I was referencing last week on the series, How to Save the World in One Easy Step, where we talked about the greatest, most incredible weapon that's ever been invented by humankind, namely the story. Uh, we're going to look at a different aspect of that article that I didn't read last time, where I was talking about in the context of the American Revolution and how the American consciousness was shaped that time of crisis from the pre-1776 understanding that was widely shared by much of the American colonial public that this is a a sort of internal dispute within, within the British Empire uh, to the 1776 understanding that, no, this is a revolution and we are going to start our own republic. How did that happen? And in that context, I wrote... Thomas Paine's political pamphlet, Common Sense, was published on January 9th, 1776, quickly becoming one of the most important political tracts in history. Some even hold it, not the Declaration of Independence, to be the real founding document of the United States. There are even those who claim that Paine himself was the author of the Declaration of Independence, but that's another story, and I suggest you check out uh, that link for more information on that. That is a fascinating (coughs) story that I, I do intend to go into someday, but anyway... It's difficult to <coughs> overestimate the impact that Common Sense had in shaping the course of American history. It sold 120,000 copies in the first three months alone, equivalent to 5% of the colony's total population of 2.5 million. By the end of the year, it had sold 500,000 copies, or one pamphlet for every five men, women, and children in the colonies. To put that in perspective, a book today would have to sell 66 million copies in America to achieve the same status and with those sales figures it would be the 13th best selling book of all time
0: and that's true and this is where he's going I mean he's going taking us on a, a journey and expla- explanation that it says make your own newspaper which is kind of what I've at least I've endeavored to do with the DCF Press I've added more um links to uh in particular like the corbett report uh at the top of my uh website uh anybody who wants to post something or wants me to post something about you know what's going on uh whether it be podcasts or commentators or news because i think uh in uh people that are working to uh come up with answers and provide, uh, news worthy articles, insights, endeavors. I do a lot of reposts of things from Zero Hedge, from the Corbett Report, uh, the Epoch Times. I did that yesterday with, uh, uh, Dr. Harvey Risch, who, uh, who did an hour long interview with, uh, uh, um, I can't pronounce his last name, uh, anyways, uh, well, to say uh, he uh, he's uh, done a great deal to try to in, improve insights. Uh, let me see. I'll, I'll, the, if I see it again, it'll be easier for me to pronounce. I hate to uh, uh, disassemble there, but J- uh, Jan. Uh, J- um, I can't think of his, how he pronounce his last name. But the point being is, is uh, he does an hour long interview with uh, Reesh about. Uh, uh, the COVID 19 and and narratives, and, and what's going on, and how science has been subverted, and how uh, this has been a propaganda and a fear campaign to put us behind the eight ball in terms of how we look at the medical field. It's been uh, uh, Jan, uh, uh, Jan, uh, Jan uh, Janelic, I guess you say. I can't say his last name, worth the crap. So, the point being here is that um there's a lot of misinformation and we've been using that phrase more and more in our lexicon uh and it's being uh, con-, con contorted by the the narrative of the world economic forum and the CCP and many that operate in Washington DC who want to control the entire uh corporate landscape in terms of of uh how narratives are, are spun, and they know that they have a willing and compliant sheep that are willing to listen to this stuff, um, even at the ignorance and ignoring of of obvious things like the the Maxwell trial or CNN's problem with uh, Cuomo and his producer and that guy's particular uh, peccadilloes that, that have come out recently. And the fact that uh, these people are run and operated by some of the worst people on the face of the earth. Uh, when I say worst people, these are people who talk uh, talk about ethics and talk about zero zero uh, net zero carbon and all this other garbage. And they really are just all about the money that they can get and exploit and the power and control they're trying to leverage over the top of the rest of us. So it's up to us to fight this information warfare in any way, shape, or form, and and to push back against the the, the enormity of the the task, which is to try to stop these uh, uh, narratives from controlling our lives or controlling our uh, country in particular. So um, and knowing that, like he mentioned, seventeen seventy six, we just passed December seventh, nineteen forty one which is, it was an 80 year anniversary. Um, I actually did a short pictorial post of that on that particular day. I haven't been quite as, uh, uh, as I say on top of my game in terms of posting lately. Uh, like I said, it's been, been hard for me to get through, um, this, uh, time frame uh, as far as I feel about things, but, um, We'll 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 go ahead with what we can here in the next uh, few weeks. I plan on you know, doing uh, podcasts on on Sundays and Mondays at least uh, because well, at least Sunday because I don't work and on, on a regular basis, and obviously, and then Monday. Uh, eventually, after the holidays, it'll go back to a five day work week. But uh, that's where I've been, and that's the reason why I've been tied up recently. But I think it's important, <clears throat> important for all of us to try to do, as uh, James Corbett uh, suggests, is that we should work on our narrative. So I'll go back to his, uh, his analysis, and then uh, we'll go from there. Uh, and um, we'll go over a couple articles that I just recently posted. So.
1: Okay, we'll stop the quote there. You can go on and read more about that and how that helped to shape Change the narrative at that time in 1776, but I hope the point is well made that sometimes, as as has been noted before, uh, nothing can no army can stand, stop a an idea whose time has come, and sometimes a new idea is presented that really does help to change, demonstrably change the thinking of an entire nation um, at at times, and so this is a real thing that can happen narratives, new narratives can be created, people's minds can be changed. And in that particular context, I was noting um, some aspects of the the printing press revolution, obviously, in my recent uh, mass media history course for Renegade University. And in the question and answer time, one of the uh, people taking that course asked about, what about today? Are there any I, because you were talking about these pamphlets and the effect that they had in changing political discourse in England, in America, and other times during this printing press revolution and in the the stages where political pamphlets and tracts were being published willy-nilly all over the place. Uh, is, does that still go on today? Are, are those things still produced today? And my answer at the time was essentially, well, yeah, there are sort of the underground newspapers and those sorts of things, and alternative weeklies, and whatever. There are various aspects of that, but obviously nothing like common sense. When we heard of someone producing some little newsletter in their basement or something that got spread all over and became the 13th bestseller of all time, or something along those lines. No, no, no. Today it's all online. And we could think of the modern equivalent of that type of uh, political tract being essentially the blogs of the early 2000s or the videos of the uh, later 2000s, uh, uh, loose change or something like that would perhaps be an analog to that, that sort of thing. But maybe we should think a little bit more literally about this, especially as the ban hammer starts to come down on any and all dissenting information in the independent media. And as YouTube and everyone else starts scrubbing all of this information from the internet the question of online censorship certainly rears its head and really does make the possibility of some sort of loose change or whatever it is, the next mega viral video that will change the opinions and minds of millions of people, it does make it more and more difficult to imagine at least happening within the YouTube, Facebook, fangster industrial complex. So perhaps we should think about this a little bit more literally. Perhaps there is... Still, space for say it with me physical media. Yes, you will, of course, recall that late last year I did have an entire episode of the Corporate Report podcast on solutions, physical media. If you do not remember that, I will hereby exhort you to go and rewatch or listen to that episode. I, I think it is worth your time because, of course, the point still stands. Yes, there we cannot rely on uh, the internet being. repository for all useful and valuable information because we have seen especially in the last couple of years the Orwellian memory hole devouring more and more things that we used to take for granted would always be online. It's getting harder and harder to find certain pieces of information so of course physical media is a good way to get around the sensors and to actually store information in some format that is usable. Now on that note I will note that there have been various alternative and underground newspapers that I myself have been aware of, or uh, even published in, uh, over the years. And a couple come to mind. One was called the Rock Creek Free Press, which, as far as I know, uh, is not published anymore, but was published uh, several years ago. I think a decade or so ago it was being published. And I believe they reprinted some of my material. Uh, There was the Sovereign Independent in ireland which i believe was making was noted online in certain social media spaces recently because i believe something about a decade ago they had uh, an issue where the front page uh, featured bill gates and his vaccination agenda wow it's almost like people have been talking about this and warning about it in the independent media for many years and
0: exactly so <clears throat> to his point you know as far as making alternative papers I even have a story of that going back to high school and that was nineteen ninety uh, so yeah there was uh you know a school newspaper but it wasn't you know an official school pa- newspaper it was uh underground just uh there were crazy ramblings of uh, a half dozen guys who decided to put together a paper and talk about the things that what what teenage guys talk about so uh you can imagine or uh, uh, Register the shock of some of the things that they would have talked about, but this was 1990, but the ideal still stands is that uh, to get out the word or get out the information, we're going to have to become more uh, literal with our newspaper uh, dealings, uh, websites only last so long and can be taken down by uh hosters that uh don't agree with your political viewpoints or, and or your information that you're sharing because now they're all beholden to certain forces that are beyond uh beyond us because I mean obviously if you grow in popularity to a certain level that's going to influence You know, whether you get on someone's radar or not, like for example, mine is, my website is much ado about nothing, but uh, in regards to the amount of traffic it receives. But uh, that being said, I I think I try to do the best uh, reporting I can and take ideas that uh, I I find or analysis that I've uh, come across or come across or develop myself uh, through, you know, uh, investigation and stuff like that. I find James Corbett, you know, a solid reporter, a solid uh, journalist, uh, solid, a solid investigator of various things, and putting it together in terms of this uh, puzzle that we're uh, trying to get our hands around, which is an enormous puzzle, and it's a world board, and there are many narratives that are spun in, inside of this uh, situation, and there are people that you know come across as friendlies or allies, and yet. They may very well be, you know, arch enemies or certain, certainly hidden enemies. I was thinking about this last night with the idea that while many people are aware of this particular objective that's been going on, you know, there are people that while they're aware of it, they're they're not going to stop it. In other words, they're they're looking for their place in the new world order, so to speak, or they're looking for their angle. How to profit off of it because they know it's and they may, from their standpoint, see it as inevitable. This happened in World War Two. There were many uh, companies and/or uh, banksters and uh, uh, particular corporations around the world that had international dealings with the Germans, with the British, with the United States, with the Japanese, with the Chinese, with the Russians and they all were angling for a particular piece of that pie or the piece of that puzzle as long as they could get paid. That was the objective. Um, they made it like Tyson Krupp, for example, was a German company, and it still exists today, and it also had U.S. dealings, Uh Ford Motor Company, which obviously had international dealings even in that time frame. Uh, matter of fact, Ford, Henry Ford was initially... Was, uh, was supposed to work for the U.S. government in terms of uh, running the defense operations. Instead, they, they toggled to uh, William Knunson. He was a general—I I I don't exactly remember uh, Knunson. I can't remember if that's how you pronounce his last name. But he was General Motors CEO. So they toggled to the General Motors in terms of uh, coming up with uh, armaments uh, in terms of uh, ramping up production and i'm and, and these people are just uh, figureheads they're not the the uh quote unquote you know the reason why we we took off there were there were many 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 hands involved in this but that just gives you an example plus the financiers of course all the banking uh, conglomerates the j p morgan chases and whatnot all all had to have their hands in the cookie jar too so everybody who's involved in this situation currently, uh, you know, the Morgan Stanleys, the, the Goldman Sachses, and the the Bank of Americas, and the J.P. Morgan Chases, knows a lot of the same names are still around, of course. And, of course, there are other um, compatriots or even higher-ups, the, the Black Rocks and the State Streets and the vanguards of the world, uh, who operate yeah, with shareholders who are, Interested in uh, what they're pushing for their uh, their particular objective. So BlackRock, for example, they post out all these tweets of, of uh, talking about net zero. Uh, Joe Biden just signed an executive order regarding uh, federal vehicles all being electric by 2050, which is an absurd absurd position to hold because a electrical ve- electric vehicles are. Are a damnable <laughs> objective because if anything happens, like you know, electricity, electrical, uh, e-, e-, e impulse, or there's a uh, a particular uh, storm and things get stuck and you can't get electricity to these vehicles, they'll be stalled out and then you're gonna have to start them, etc, etc. I mean, there's <laughs> Uh, they had this. Uh, somebody posted that unique, uh, unique uh, situation that happened out on the the Magnificent Mile when Chicago had a enormous uh, a snowstorm that rolled through, and they got like twenty inches of snow and ice and everything else. And they got a bunch of everybody uh, <laughs> died out there on the Dan Ryan, or died out there on the on the Magnificent Mile and the Lakeshore Drive, and they were uh, stuck. And their cars ran out of gas. Well, if you're running out of gas, guess what? You'll run out of electricity. I mean, if you're driving an electrical vehicle, you only have so much of a charge on it. So if it gets stuck out there, it's dead. It ain't going anywhere. And you're gonna have to have something jump it, and you're gonna have to charge it. And guess what? If you got twenty thousand vehicles stuck on a on a huge highway, what do you do? You're stuck. <laughs> it's bad enough that you have gas issues, but Imagine what happens if you just have everything, you know. There, there's just so many complications with just having one, having this particular situation. Uh, many of those vehicles uh, didn't run out of gas. A lot of the owners just decided, well, there's no point in, you know, sitting out there and running it out completely out of gas. And they, they left their vehicles, which they weren't the only ones. They stranded it. But if they're dead, dead, you know. <laughs> and you don't need like you don't need a full, you know, full tank of gas. You only need to have enough gas to get it started again. Whereas electrical, you're going to have to you're going to have to have a significant amount of charge before that vehicle is going to go anywhere. So there's all sorts of of inconveniences. And Texas showed that in particular with their little ice storm that rolled through. And I'm only going into that detail because this is the whole narrative that they're trying to spin up with this Uh, net zero and carbon emissions and all this all this stupid ideas that have no basis in actual uh, uh, reality that it could actually be achievable it certainly can't be achievable in this particular time frame you know you've been been getting promised all kinds of things for the last 20-30 years I was I'm pretty sure in 1990 I was promised flying cars by 2020 and look at where we're at we're not anywhere near that I was promised that people should be able to get fed and everybody should have clean running water. And we still can't achieve that. We have globalists that don't have, have no concept of, well, they do. They have a concept of this. They just want to create chaos because they make money from chaos. There's no profit in stability. There's no profit in everybody being uh, relatively content. Uh, having access to water, having access to electricity, having access to uh, a clean home. And they always complain and whine and position and exploit people's emotional sensibilities over uh, in using Africa or using South Asia as the, 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 the positioning point of that situation. The funny thing is, as many of those places around the world... They could very well have easily solved all their problems by now if they wanted to. There would there, there's very little uh, that couldn't have been solved. The problem is is there's so, such a lack of stability in Africa, in Southeast Asia, in particular. And notice who's who's tied to both of those situations. Well, you can you can say D- DC is, but you can also say China is too. So you have these enormous com- uh, countries with trillions and trillions of dollars. Of economic activity. And they're trying to exploit certain points of, points of uh, origins on this earth. And yet they have solved no problems. They've created more problems. They're constantly destabilizing these areas. And they, and they and expect me to believe that they give a shit about these people. And they don't. And they say, well you should care about them. Why should I have to care about them? You don't show any caring for them because you're ca- causing the problems there. If you just quote unquote leave them the fuck alone, they would have a much they would have a much happier life if you would just leave them the fuck alone. But we don't have people that know how to do that. They don't want to do that. They they benefit from chaos. So they create chaos. They create a chaos with this virus. They want to destabilize the Western world too now. That's their objective. They constantly want to do this. This is what these people do. That's the reason why we should all be fighting against these people. Um, the, the higher ups, the elite, the globalist objective that's been going on. I don't even like calling, even calling them globalists is getting redundant and they certainly aren't elite. They're, they're parasites. They're psychopaths or they're, they're, I don't even know, psychopathic sixes. I've tried to coin a term for them. These people just don't give a damn about nothing. All they care about is money and power and you being less, less of us. That's all they give a shit about so the narrative that we have to come up with to, to fight this is that we need to uh, uh, put a shine a harsh light on all these people's dealings, their expectations, anything they say, any slip-ups they do. And we need to make sure the normies, who there's billions of them, uh, finally get the hint that the people that are trying to run their lives are not good. Uh, they're unethical, they're immoral, they're communistic, they're technocrats who think they're better than you. Uh, they don't have any compunction about who they destroy. Um, yeah, that's the narrative that we got to come up with. We have to come up with, but we also have to provide a, a positive perspective. We have to say, don't you enjoy your freedom? You know, We have a lot of people in this world that don't enjoy freedom. They actually enjoy everybody else's misery. They actually prefer misery for other people, uh, because they're miserable than themselves. So the way they position life is, they look at it as, well, if 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 I can't be happy, then nobody else should be happy either. That's kind of the reason why they enjoy governmental over, overreach. That's why they enjoy authoritarianism, because they like to see other people be punished for uh, people that are no better, that are no substantially. Uh, let's just say above them. In other words, they're middle class or lower, and just because they got a little bit ahead, and the, the amount of resentment that certain people feel for other people that are of the same station is beyond. It, it just, it just, it's a certain, it's a certain form of sociopathy. But I think it's just mainly just people that are just bitter about life. They didn't achieve their goals, or they don't know how to achieve a goal and they're just mad and they they since they can't take it out on the people that are at the very top they pick it on the they pick on the people that are right down the right down the street from them so as far as they're concerned they they just don't they're so uh obsessed with you know what their next door neighbor has that they don't that they'll they're they're glad to see them get taken down a notch and they, then they like to laugh at them and say aha see you didn't have all the answers that's, that's the kind of mentality that these certain people have. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to have that. So uh, that's the reason why, and of course the elite know this, because the elite are a lot, uh, whether they are uh, the quote-unquote elite, uh, they're smart enough to know that, and that's why they exploit it. They exploit the stupidity of people that are just, you know, they just really aren't that intelligent, they aren't that motivated, and they... They're kind of like average, um, average malevolence. In other words, they're not really. They don't think about it. They just, they just don't care about people. They just, they just. Well, they're just who they are. They're just average, ordinary bloats that resent people that have it a little bit better than they do, and they can't stand that. So they, it's just easier for them to pick on them. But the, the top end parasites know that, and they use that against. They use. They use them as the the useful idiots that they are to pick on the rest of us who actually want to get ahead in life or certainly want to be left alone to do what we want to do. So uh, that's where I think that positioning is. So I'm going to finish off with uh, the remainder, or maybe not the remainder of this, but uh, a few more minutes of uh, Corbett because I think he always has good insights. And we'll wrap up this episode. I'm just... Uh, running out of things to think about to say, even though it's been a long time since I've talked about this.
1: I was, I, I, if I recall correctly, I was published in that uh, newspaper as well. And until a couple of years ago, I had the physical newspaper sitting in my bookshelf. I've had it for, I had it for seven or eight years or whatever it was. I did ultimately get rid of it as I was clearing things out and making room for more books and what have you. And so I did eventually get rid of it. I thought, "Ah, I don't need this anymore. (laughs) It would have been very handy to physically display it for you at this point. But at any rate, trust me, it did exist. It was printed. Uh, It did make its way around the world, even to me in Japan. So physical media can have an incredible impact and you never know where it's going to end up. And it will get away, get around all of the internet online censorship that, uh, that we see is taking place. And I know that this sounds like a, like a pie-in-the-sky sort of thing to a lot of people, and perhaps it does not apply to you. as, uh, On Solutions Watch, as I tend to stress, yes, not every solution is going to apply to you individually. But at any rate, um, it is something that might affect you, even if you're not planning to do it yourself. But I want to stress that this is definitely something that is doable, And achievable, and I say this advisedly, not only because of those previous examples that I pointed to, but an example that is just about to drop in the state of Arizona, in the United States. And some people in my audience might know where this is going, but if not, I will direct you once again to Ernest Hancock of freedomsphoenix.com, who we've talked about and talked to on Solutions Watch, let alone in my regular interviews uh, many times in the past. As you may or may not know, I'm on his Declare Your Independence radio show every Wednesday night U.S. time, Thursday morning Japan time. Um, So people can tune into those conversations for more of our banter. But Ernest Hancock of Freedom's Phoenix uh, has not only published newspapers in the past, but he is currently in the process, just as I am recording this, of finishing up and getting to the printer the next edition of his newspaper, which is an interesting one. It is one that combines... The physical, it will be a physical newspaper that is physically printed on paper and physically distributed and passed out to people, but each article includes links, which will be in the form of QR codes that you'll be able, if, you, if, you, if somebody at getting their coffee at the coffee shop comes across a copy of this paper and sees an article and sees something interesting, they can scan it and get the direct link to that thing or to get the article itself will be able to pop up. So it's a it's a combination, a hybrid, that will feel comfortable, perhaps, to the normies who wouldn't be able to understand anything that isn't internet connected in some way. It will be connectable to that information as long as the, uh, the links stay up, but it will also be a physical thing that people can possess and pass around and that will not be online censorable. So an excellent idea, one that I'm excited about, and who better to explain what this idea
0: is, where it comes from, and what it does than Ernest Hancock of Freedom. So there you go. Someone's uh, working on a QR uh, paper where we can uh, share ideas. You can read the uh, read the, the physical content, and, and just from my own experience, I spent... Well, I spent nearly a decade delivering papers when I was a child uh, between ages of 13 and 16 or so. And then as as an adult uh, in the 2000s, I drove around for about six years delivering papers overnight and up to about 350 customers. So I, I can understand the the physical media. I didn't really p- put a lot of stock into it. I obviously saw that the the future wasn't going to be in that regard. I matter of fact, I in two thousand nine two thousand ten was when I first came up with the idea of creating a a press called DCF Press or Deep Center Field Press. But the idea was then was to talk about sports, and I was involved in you know, doing research on uh baseball and statistics and and the the narrative that I thought existed in baseball that wasn't always told. As a matter of fact I connected back to the presidency. In many respects there was, you know, whether it be Lincoln and softball or or um for example, uh William Howard Taft or uh, F D R um JFK and his his father's uh, penchant for trying to buy a, a team, obviously Bush, who owned the Texas Rangers. There's been lots of presidents that have been uh, at least tangentially connected to the game, the great game, or the national pastime. Uh, but you know, as time has wore on, I, I actually, after publishing uh, my first book in 2014. I had a second uh, title. The second half of what was supposed to be uh, initially, the title was a seven-score addiction. A seven-score addiction to the national pastime. Uh, bringing gas down, dialing nine was the uh, uh, t- title. Um, I just decided that it wasn't worth the trouble to go through the second half, which actually provided some evidence that I thought that steroids had very little, if anything, to do with uh, uh, the power surge, which, based upon analysis then and now, even looking back over it, uh, it had more to do with the baseball, it had more to do with the speeds and velocities of the pitchers, and uh, the ability of uh, batters to, um, I guess you could say, exploit that uh, position. Of course, the batters hit more home runs, has also led to more striking out because everything's become, you know, an absolute. It's either walk, hit a home run, or strike out. There's probably a higher percentage of that now than there ever was in baseball history. Um, used to be more more hitters were more prone to uh, stick to trying to make contact, but that's another story. But the point was is that, um, yeah, I, I wanted to... And just want to answer that question about the steroid usage. I answered or went through and looked at data and information and tried to tell a story about the players who played the game, uh, biographically, uh, bi- biographical analysis, and, and people that have written about the game, I thought, in the best way they knew how, uh, based upon the information that they had access to. And there were great writers in the past. There was also a lot of uh, charlatans and people that were Uh, made up stories or uh, certainly had their viewpoints on players and and you uh, use that to uh, create the narrative about the people that were involved so the idea was to come up with either an alternative narrative or certainly a more uh, more well-positioned narrative either based upon uh, their statistical uh, performances and and also looking at uh, the way teams were structured and the way uh, teams have evolved over time, which is what every sport has done. It's evolved over time, and there's been lots of things. I'm just using it as an example because, based upon that, there was a time in my life when I was more interested in that. And around 2016, there was a significant shift in my life to make myself less worried about you know, writing another book about baseball and more about... Uh, developing my own uh, philosophy towards lots of things Um, that was probably when I had my red pill moment and it it really wasn't even tied to politics at the time politics were just ancillary to the the situations that came up in my own life and um, I started to see the narratives that the media was trying to exploit and I also saw that the uh, the way people are and the way people act and the way people are, are conditioned to be uh, were um, were actually very maladaptive to the way their behavior should be in the future uh, if they were going to grow or achieve anything. And I had to develop that on my own. And in bits and pieces, I started to put put some of these pieces together. I didn't know who James Corbett was in 2016, though I probably... I, probably my first interaction with anything he had uh put together was around 2017 or 2018 and other people were starting to make sense to me and uh about all kinds of things whether it be uh the social contract or uh men and women relationships and and so on and so forth and then I started seeing all the all the hype and all the Uh, misinformation about you know what was going on in the trump administration and what was being asked of me to believe and also you know and this isn't and and by the way this isn't to say trump is you know some some moral character without repro you know that he's not you know had had his own issues and whatnot uh because that would be you know being obtuse uh, the problem is, and the bigger bigger problem is, is, there's a host of other bad actors who have yet to be even remotely uh, entertained as being what they are, which are malevolent and evil and, and not even being discussed. You know, if you think about the Clinton administration and the Clintons in general, or if you think about all the Bush Bush antics or Obama antics, if we were looking at just the American political landscape, but then if you start going around the world and you start looking at, uh, for example, Angela Merkel or Emmanuel uh, Macron or Boris Johnson or any of the other current leaders in the European Union and any of the leaders uh, over abroad, you'll start to see that there's a host of bad actors all over the world and none of them are being analyzed or or uh, finally honed in on Except by the independent media That has grown up in the last uh, Probably the last decade in particular That have taken over as The, the leaders of uh, Actually doing investigative Journalist journal, Investigative journalism And in particular for example Like Julian Assange who Basically exposed the, the CIA apparatus The NSA apparatus and The, the whole kit and caboodle and, of course, he's being uh, persecuted for that. He's going to be extradited by the U.K. government, ostensibly, because uh, they ruled that it wasn't, that the U.S. can do that. And the U.S. will. And then he'll be punished. And the funny thing is, is, you know, I can, I really, I can feel a kindred to him because uh, he's 50 years old. Um, same age as Assange. And he has uh probably spent the last well he's certainly spent the last fifteen years exposing how how uh how terrible our uh, media complex is how terrible our governments are in the last decade he's been on the run or uh and you know in isolation whether it be in ecuador in ecuador or now in britain when he when they finally took him into custody and then now they're going to extradite him here and then the u.s government will take their turn putting him in either guantanamo bay or some other high security prison and he's i think he just suffered a a suffered an uh either a stroke or some kind of medical condition he's in bad shape because probably psychologically speaking and physically speaking he's uh He's been, he he just probably isn't holding up very well, you know, after years and years and years of uh, being, you know, isolated or, you know, being uh, known as, you know, public enemy number one by the governments of the world because they don't want, they don't want people to know the truth. They don't want to know, they don't want people to know that they're involved in all kinds of uh, uh, nefarious actions and and how many people they've destroyed. And how many lives they've probably taken. And how many people they've said to themselves, well, it was justified. We did what we had to do to stop this. And don't make any kind of excuse to to make that happen. You know, whether it be a, a, a Tim pot dictator or, or somebody else that they don't like. So, we all have to be aware of this. And it's not a conspiracy theorist uh, a situation though lots of people like to pretend that because it's easier for them to ignore 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 all the dots starting to connect and all the monies that get transferred and all the people that have uh, uh, been uh, using and exploiting them for many many years and exploiting their gullibility you know and then people would rather rather bury their head in the sand and then they also say well what can i do about it there's nothing i can do about it so why should i worry about it and then you know if you go through life with that kind of an attitude, I mean you know you you say, "What can I do about it?" Well, you can certainly be aware of it, and you could also certainly share that information with other people if you take the time or do your own kind of research and it's not that hard to do i mean you don't even have to you don't have to spend you don't even have to spend that many hours doing it. It's just a lot of it's just out there. you just have to know who the voice is that you need to listen to. And then start gathering your own information and doing your own do uh, do other alternative research. Alternative narratives exist on like web crawler or dogpile or there's a host of other as a matter of fact to me. I give you a little small sample of places you can go do searches. You can go to Quant Q, Q-W-A-N-T, Yippy. Uh, you can do Ecosia E C O S I A. You can go to presearch.org. You can do uh, well. I mean, if you really want to, you can use DuckDuckGo. Even though that's that's hijacked too. The funny thing is, like DuckDuckGo, for example, I get most of my traffic onto my own website from DuckDuckGo. I don't get it from Google. Google probably only provides about five percent of my traffic uh, uh, from a search engine standpoint. I get more. I almost get more hits from Baidu than Google uh mojik for example m o j e e k so there's a host of other alternative uh web web browser uh web uh search uh functions out there some are better than others some are going to list a whole kinds of stuff some are going to come up with totally top-end results uh when i say top-end i mean the top search result is going to be far different from anything you're ever going to see uh, you see at google and Google is all paid for it's paid for by the CCP and other places. So, another in, in, in other words, in, in order to get a uh, a new perspective on news and make your, whether being making your own newspaper, it's certainly up to you to make your own uh, uh, web web search uh, analysis and do your own uh, better vetting of what's going on out there. So, the Corbett Report is a good a good place to start. And there's many others like them that, uh, that provide that kind of search and provide that kind of uh, detail, uh, look at things. And I've been endeavoring to add those to my own website. So I'm going to leave it there for today. Uh, thanks for uh, listening to this broadcast. Hopefully I can uh, do one at least one a week now, maybe even a couple a week. depends upon how I feel. Um, I hope you enjoy your holidays as they go forward. Uh, The Christmas uh, season is upon us And many people are going to be busy But uh, take care of yourself out there And uh, we'll uh, come back later